Hello and welcome to the Shea Hits Everything podcast, where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate other drivers. My name is Kyle, and today I hate when fast food joints don't update their menus so you order something that they are not serving. <laughs> so, actually on that, um, so I've been on this diet, right? this wife enforced diet and i thank her for it because i like I've, I've already lost a couple pounds i've been feeling better but this past week we were at the beach we were on vacation and so we kind of like laxed on the diet side like i still wasn't drinking soda i was drinking lots of water but we weren't only eating healthy stuff like we were still going out to eat we got this amazing shrimp and bacon mac and cheese at this place Ooh. like that literally changed my outlook on life and that the meaning great. of it um but anyway so i've been on this diet and i came back we're recording this on a friday afternoon i came back thursday afternoon my wife is not coming back until tomorrow saturday which means i got like two bachelor days so i have been not following the diet <laughs> And last night, when I was watching Thursday Night Football at like 10 p.m., I decided I was going to go to Taco Bell at halftime. Hell yeah. And so I got, do you guys have, because they've been advertising it here in Atlanta, have you guys had commercials for the fried chicken quesadilla? Uh, I don't watch TV, but I know of okay. the fried chicken quesadilla, yes. So I got the fried chicken quesadilla. It's not good. It I wouldn't sucked. think so. And it made me sad because, like, I don't know. I'm not a huge fried chicken person, but I was there. And I was like, you know what? I could get my normal shit. Or I could go and be a little adventurous on this Thursday evening when I'm, like, pretending that I'm single. <laughs> and staying at home in sweatpants. That tells you how good I would do in the single world getting Taco Bell. But it was bad, dude. It was not. Like, the the textures do not go together well. Yeah. Anyway. It made me think of the thing about fast food because they never that, the Taco Bell near me never updates their menu, and so they have stuff that they don't currently have. And right, like the fried chicken quesadilla wasn't on their menu, and so I was like, "Hey, do you guys still have this?" Which it makes it even worse, right? Because like, that means I was thinking about That's right, yeah. it. It wasn't this even is why I'm like here. advertising. Yes, exactly. So that was my Thursday night. <laughs> so, so uh, what what have you been going on? I know, I know, I peek behind the curtain i know your answer and i'm asking because i'm really excited to talk about it <laughs> so um my wedding next year uh in october it's gonna be a medieval wedding so we're like kind of going all out like i'm gonna be in a full suit of armor for the ceremony and then you know, i'll strip down to like my tunic and breeches and stuff and, and boots for the reception um mm -hmm. we're gonna get crowned by each of our fathers um so yours and your and my dad is gonna crown me i think i hope he's excited about the idea um yeah i'm sure dad will love that. yeah and then uh my fiance kara's father is gonna put her crown on at the end of the ceremony and then we'll you know go to the reception so her dress was an amount of money um that was a lot uh <laughs> because like it you know it needs to it needs to be lacy like it needs to be okay. fancier and Lace is still expensive even when it's coming out of a machine and not being handmade. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, like, astronomically expensive when it's handmade, but it's still expensive coming out of a machine. Um, so lace is still expensive in 2017. And her dress, I believe, I have not seen it, obviously, but I believe has some lace and, like, little flower details and stuff like that to make it more floral. 
um, because she found this vintage um, uh, veil that uh, like Mm -hmm. has the copper wire in it, and it's very lacy and flowery looking. Um, And that's like a thing with medieval era weddings is flowers and nature and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, So her dress was like thirteen hundred dollars. Which is a lot of money for a dress. That's a lot of money. It's a lot yep. of money for a dress. It sure is. For something um, she'll wear one time. Yeah. And then it'll sit in her mom's closet. Yep. And um, so I was like, okay, my suit of armor, I can't go over $1,000 on this thing. Because if she's doing $1,300 for a dress, like we are very quickly cutting into the funds available that we have for the wedding. Mm-hmm. Like not going over 1000 So I start looking it up online. I'm like, hey, I can... And I go to this website, Dark Knight Armory, and I find everything I need, literally everything, because I have the sword and the belt to put the sword on and stuff. But all of the armor pieces, all of the clothes to go under it, the boots, a really cool-ass helmet, and then the cap to go under the helmet so I don't, like, cut myself on it. Um, sure. Everything for, like, 850 bucks. Nice. Which, it, it, like that's not that's not bad like everything's made out of steel you know and it's like it's not the nicest metal in the world but and you purchased this or is this is to rent uh this is purchased so i would own it for yeah, 850 nice. bucks like the whole so now you have outfit. a suit of armor that will sit in your mom's closet after you no, wear it once. It'll sit in my closet <laughs> of course but like i would wear it to renfest every year like because I, I like to yeah. go to Renfest like twice a year, so I have my pirate captain outfit, and now I'll have like a suit of armor to wear, which is cool. Um, and so a bunch of pieces of that, basically everything besides the helmet. The helmet's on back order for a couple months. Everything besides the helmet came today. So mm-hmm. I immediately got home from work and like started putting stuff on, and yeah. very quickly realized there is almost none of it that I can put on by myself. <laughs> like, okay. I, I'm gonna need some help. Um, yeah, but like I got the gauntlets on, and those are badass. It's like a, it's a leather glove, <laughs> and it's uh, it's um, it's not like chainmail. It's it's leather underneath, and then it has all the metal segmented parts along the fingers, so you can still bend your fingers and grip stuff. And actually, the mobility mm-hmm. inside of it was surprisingly good. Like they designed it well, and it looks badass. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tried those on. I got my um, oh god, what's it called? The like metal bib. That you wear, uh, get starts with a G. I can't remember the term, but it goes around your neck. It's like basically between your neck and your breastplate, and then it covers parts yeah. of like the small of your back, between your shoulder blades. So I got that. I I got to I put that on and like actually buckled it and made sure it fit. It's a little tight, but I think it'll. It's weird to say like it'll stretch out to fit because it's metal, but it, <laughs> the metal the metal will bend a little bit with my because I have uh-huh. kind of a broad chest. Um, you and I got that from our dad. Um, so it just needs to bend out a little bit. (laughs) Um, and then like the breastplate, the full arm guards, the full leg guards and the bracers and the tacit that I got, those are all still wrapped up and they did a really nice job. Like they shipped it all in one box, which I was like, "Mm, whatever, but they packaged it really nicely and everything's been oiled. So it will rust. Um, I'm guessing they just do that automatically for when it's in their warehouse. Um, mm-hmm. But it's all like oiled, which is nice. Um, do you need to do that right semi regularly? So keep yeah. Basically, what I'll do um, is every time I wear it, I will wipe off the oil, wear it, and then I'll have to re-oil it and then seal it back away in something when I'm not wearing okay. it. Unless 
like I'm okay with it rusting in like three or four years because it will totally do that, which I'd prefer sure. not to have that happen. But like the breeches fit really well, the boots fit perfectly. The the gambeson, which is the padded uh, short sleeve jacket that goes on under everything, that fits pretty well mm-hmm. too. Um, I'm like feeling real good about it. And my spalders on my shoulder, oh man, those look cool. They all just look so fucking dope. Oh man. And then, cause I've been trying to find, uh, uh, our family crest, um, the castle family crest, but I've not been able to, uh, find the official one. So I've just looked up basically what it looks like. And I'm thinking about finding someone who will just do an updated design of what I found on the internet. Um, because I want to put it on a couple of tabards for a couple of my groomsmen to wear, like maybe you, and like dad, if he wants to. So, because if you don't know, a tabard is it's like a shirt with no sleeves. So it just has the neck hole. Sometimes the front and yeah. back pieces aren't even connected. It looks. It's kind of like a uh, like a like something the Pope would wear over yeah. over his like tunic. Right. Yeah, over it's his like, vestments. It's the colored embroidered. Right. Yeah. And so there, I found someone on Etsy who will make custom tabards for you. Sweet. Um, which is pretty cool. So I'll probably get a couple of those made for like, because you're going to be my best man and then dad. So I, and we're like the two castle men. Yeah. So it would make sense for us to, for you guys to have them. And on my tacit, which is hangs from my belt. Uh, normally tacits are, uh, it's like your hip armor. You know how some of them can have like multiple links of stuff hanging off their hips, like their belt covering their like upper thighs and stuff. Okay. Uh, hangs- like a bat belt. Sort of Batman's utility belt. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's but got it, grenades, a water bottle, <laughs> yeah. the grappling hook, uh, the holy hand grenade fife. of Antioch, uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah. So like it hangs down a little bit. So I just got one tacit on my right side. It's in the shape of a shield. So I want to get that painted with the family crest that gets designed. Okay. Um, and I think the art teacher at the high school I work at would probably do that for me because um, she likes Sweet. me. So. I just need to ask her about it. But yeah, so it's all it's all coming together and it looks so cool. Oh my I'm god. I'm still saying that I will as the best man, I will be the jester. I'm still throwing that out. Do there. you want to be? Cuz <laughs> if you do, I know you said you thought maybe you'd get uh I might get, Cody to do yeah, that. Yeah, Cody or my friend Steven or your or ring someone. bearer. What if you're going to have a ring bearer well, just as a jester? I really want Harry to be the ring bearer, but he's not good around mm. other people. Sure, he's not trained enough to like know what to do and follow directions. Right. I mean, I feel like if I was calling his name, he would come over to me. But yeah. I also like all of he's afraid of men, so I feel like he'd really bark at people, <laughs> and it'd be an issue. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's like, oh man, because I've wanted a f- like full suit of armor, and it's not like those knight armor things that you see like in a museum where it's like. Sure. There are no openings or holes. This is stuff that, like, the insides won't be fully covered of my arms and the backs of my legs won't be fully covered. My back won't be because it's just a breastplate, you know, like that kind of stuff. It's not, like, link-to-link, zero-space-exposed kind of deal. Um, I'll say my sole experience with armor 
was when we shot our Dream Riders pilot, right. and then we there was a scene. It's a long story, but the armor that I was wearing was what you're referencing, where it's all connected, yeah. and so it's like a the arms are like a sleeve. It's not you know leather ties yeah. that kind of cover the outside. It's like a full, and it wasn't fitted to me. We got <laughs> right. the best fit that we could, but like certain areas were tighter than others. Certain areas were like too loose. That thing, and I wore it for like a full day of shooting outside yeah, in the sun, buckets like it watching the scene in the pilot it's it was so totally worth it it's amazing i love that scene and the experience of doing it was cool but man that sucked ass especially with the other two guys that were in it one of whom was dressed as like a robin hoodish character so he's wearing like a shorter skirt a very flowy mesh top and like a cap and then the other guy was more of a like crusader era night so he had a little bit of chain mail he had like a chain mail hood but other than that he just had like yeah yeah, he just had like some breeches a flowy tunic and then i'm in like this like 60 pounds of metal and i'm the smallest dude Uh, it was it was an experience it was hilarious a lot of fun because you very clearly looked uncomfortable (laughs) it played in the scene it was very method of you (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good. <laughs> I like that scene. But yeah, so it's not quite um, that. Um, and it like right. So it'll still be really hot though, because that gambeson. I mean, it's like quarter inch thick, sometimes mm-hmm. a third of an inch thick um, at parts because it's it's meant to protect you from the metal of the pieces you're wearing. So like mm-hmm. that's really really hot, and it's like 100 percent cotton. So it's yeah. a little, little itchy. But I, I'll have a, I'll have a long sleeve tunic on underneath it. But yeah, I am like, man, over the moon about that suit that I've got. It's so cool. Oh man, <laughs> it's so fun. We were talking because um, when we were at the beach, I was there with my wife, my mother in law, and sister in law, and they, I guess, they didn't know about the concept of the wedding yet. Oh. Obviously, I'd been talking to Kelly about it, but. Uh, her mom and sister didn't know about it so we were telling them just a little bit about it and they were like like you see pictures of that kind of thing on facebook of like a random harry potter wedding or like stuff like that but like not very many people know someone that does something like that and so they were like taken about like wait people actually would do that kind of thing yeah and we were talking about it and they were just like this is so amazing like that is so (laughs) cool and the the bigger thing for me is it represents you and Kara so well. Yeah. Like it's your it's your personality. And that's what that day is supposed to be one hundred percent. It's all about you guys and your relationship and your future together. And it really spurred a lot of conversation with Kelly and I about our wedding. And like I I wouldn't go back and change anything necessarily. I, I totally loved the venue it was a place that there was zero chance we would have normally been able to afford but they were like hey we'll give you a big discount if you get married in four months instead of 12 yeah, and it we was were like yeah, okay sure we'll do that but yeah it was an amazing wedding we got great pictures loved all the family and everybody was there but that is something that we didn't really do we didn't put a bunch of our personality in it other than like the music and the way we did the food and that kind of sure. stuff but it didn't have it, it was more formal than we are as people. And part of it for us was we were kind of the first of our group of friends to get married. Cause it's mostly Kelly's friends and they're all, you know, a year younger than me. Some of them a little bit more, And none of them were married yet. And so we kind of did it first and we didn't have anybody else to look for or ask for advice. And so all the, like all of her friends, like she has, she had a couple, uh, a friend of hers from high school that got married 
two years ago now, I guess it was maybe less than that, but uh, like they got married and they're at their reception. They did it at a brewery and they had Chick-fil-A as the food. Like it was so chill and very, very fun. Yeah. And that like, again, like I don't regret anything, but it is one of those where like, ah, part of me wishes maybe we would have made it a little more lax, a little bit more like us. So I'm really happy for you guys that you're not only are you like, uh, Im- impacting the the style of the wedding with your personalities, but you're going like a hundred and ten percent in that direction <laughs> yeah. for sure. Which, like, <laughs> you know me as yeah, as your brother, yeah. you know me. Like when it comes to <laughs> stoop, like I will put a hundred percent, hundred and ten percent into the dumbest shit I possibly can. Um, yeah. So yeah, that. It's, well, and it's good because it's a unifying thing. Yeah. Like it's an interest you both share. So it's not like, and it, not that I would want it anyway, but like for me, like a Star Wars themed wedding, I wouldn't do that. It's a little too nerdy for my tastes. But like Kelly, she doesn't care about Star Wars. She likes it because of how much I love right. it, but it doesn't mean anything to her. Like this kind of medieval renaissance style is something both of you are interested in and passionate about so it's like it's perfect yeah for and, you to, to go that route yeah and like it just came up as like a joke one day we're just like yeah i'm yeah. gonna wear a suit of armor from the wedding blah 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 and then it, <laughs> yeah the conversation just kind of progressed from there and then it like the more that we talk about it and the more ideas we have it becomes very clear that this is something we should totally do so yeah uh, for better or for worse. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, like, if nothing else, it's going to be so memorable for you guys. And, like, you're going to have cool pictures and stuff yeah. to look back on. And especially, you know, I know you you and Kara don't want kids. If and when that ever changes or when you're hanging out with my kids, like, that'll be fun to show them years from now. Yeah. Like, look at the crazy shit that Kyle and <laughs> Uncle <did>. Kyle did. <laughs> <laughs> He's that weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> so that's cool though. I'm 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 glad I, I enjoyed the pictures you sent me of the armor. Yeah. I'm very excited to see you all decked out in that. It's gonna be great. But like I, And you'll I'm, have to show me when we come there. Yeah, totally. Um I'm all like jazzed about the armor and stuff's so, like I wanna play D D right now, but our campaign's mm. over currently. So but tonight I'm gonna go play more of that Cthulhu RPG that I talked about uh last podcast, yeah. I think, or maybe two podcasts ago. Nice. But yeah. Um, How about you, man? Well, yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I was at the beach this past week, so I've been a little bit out of stuff. Like, I wasn't playing much or doing much other than sitting at the beach. I read a lot of Harry Potter sitting at the beach, and it was pretty amazing. Had a lot of good food. Got a little bit of sun. I still, I'm looking at my reflection, but because of the way the lighting is, I look like a ghost. So <laughs> I think I'm a little darker than uh, the light is making me seem. But yeah, it was just a very relaxing thing and perfect timing too with all the stuff going on with work. It was nice to be able to get away yeah. and like not have to think about that. Um, and so it's because I wanted to come back early and have a little bit of time to myself. And also South Park, the Fractured Butthole came out this week and I wanted to play it. Uh, and and because I'm going out of town, I leave on Sunday morning for a work uh, trip, and I won't be getting back till late Tuesday. So that's like even more time I'm going to be gone. So I just kind of wanted to like take it down a notch, get away from some stuff, and it definitely served that purpose for sure. So feeling rejuvenated. <laughs> I'm not super excited to get back to the grind of like working at a job that I'm leaving soon, while also looking for another job. Right. Uh, not super excited to get back to that, but a little bit of a break, I think, will help 
me not want to die. <laughs> so instead of like doing it for like three months straight. So yeah. yeah. Feeling refreshed, I guess Good. you could say. And I missed the fuck out of my dog too, man. Aww. I went and picked him up yesterday. My uh, father-in-law was taking care of him and keeping him at uh, our sister-in-law's place as well. And I went to pick him up yesterday when I got back. And I was just like, oh, I forget that feeling of that unconditional love you get from an animal. Like, (laughs) he was losing his mind when I got there. And it had been five days. But, like, he doesn't know what's going on. Time doesn't pass the same way for him. Like, he could think, like, I'm never going to see them ever again. Every single day he wakes up and he doesn't see us. Like, when I leave for work during the day, he might think he's never going to see me again. And it fills my heart with joy. (laughs) And I was, like, a little bit, a part of me was hoping that when I started talking about it, he would walk into the room. But I'm sure he's lying on the couch being a lazy bum right now. (laughs) Yeah, Harry is usual. Harry likes to lay in the kitchen so he can see me at my desk through the reflection on the TV, but can also watch the door. (laughs) Nice. So... Yeah, I made sure I uh, I closed all the shades because as the sun starts to go down, Beamer has a nice uh, attitude of barking at everything. And his bark is like real deal bark. Right. <laughs> Whenever he like barks at someone, Kelly's always like, ooh, a sexy Beamer. <laughs> like, this is a sexy bark. Because it's like manly. It's a manly yeah. bark. He inherited my uh, vocal cords. Yeah. So anyway. how to project. Enough bullshit. We got a lot of stuff we want to talk about today. So there was a discussion on a recent Beastcast that you wanted to talk about. So lead us into that. Yeah, and this has been kind of floating around everywhere because basically the discussion was revitalized. I mean, this is not a new discussion, but the discussion was revitalized mm-hmm. when um, uh, the new uh, Middle Earth, was it Shadow of Mordor? Um, Shadow of War. Shadow of War. Shadow of Mordor was the first one, right? Yeah. Okay, Shadow of War, the new one. Um, there are loot boxes for, like, you get, like, orcs and stuff for your personal army with the loot boxes. Right. And there's this big hole, hullabaloo, about the end game is a super big grind and is really hard unless you are buying these loot boxes to, like, speed your way through it. Mm-hmm. So people were complaining about that. Uh, and it just started, like, this big discussion about loot boxes in general and, like, whether or not loot boxes are game or uh, gambling. Um, and that's, like, okay. nah, I, that, that's, like, that's a difficult discussion that I think a lot of people are currently having. Um, and I, I think a couple of people are thinking about moving into the legal space um, with this and potentially legally classifying this type of microtransaction as gambling which would make it illegal in certain countries and certain states and certain yeah you know so that would make it a really complicated thing for the industry um well yeah gambling in general has i mean it's always been a complicated issue because it varies state by state but especially and even by county i believe within states but part of it too because of like the proliferation of online gambling especially like online poker there have been several huge like million dollar lawsuits about these poker companies manipulating things and i don't know like it's it's crazy we've been talking about the last couple of weeks really about the fcc stepping in about you know, live streaming video games and like what's okay, what it constitutes fair use. Yeah. And this is just another example of like the internet being the wild west. Like what, because I look at this and say, 
you know, is, are loot boxes considered gambling? And I feel like it's really tricky because there are different forms of gambling. Yeah. I mean, you look at something like a slot machine where you put in a quarter, pull a thing, and then you get nothing or a lot or something you have no idea versus something like poker where there is an element of luck to it but it is also very based on skill and there's obviously no skill to pulling a slot machine but you look at something like a loot box and at least the ones that i'm thinking of and i know with shadow of war you're gonna get something it's just what you're going to get like there's no circumstance where you're gonna pay 2.99 for a loot box and get nothing and so that to me makes it not gambling and and i don't know i mean i would need to think about it and really like really think about it but like it's different than a slot machine it's different than the lottery where it is i mean it is random but where there's an inherent risk of getting nothing in return you're at least still getting something and so i'm not sure that i would consider it traditional gambling what about you i don't think i would either um and especially like uh, on platforms like steam where Loot boxes tend to drop items that you can then resell within Steam's own market. Um, So, like, you are actually... Like, there might be an argument to be made for consoles where you're getting digital goods. Like, you're not able to earn money back like some gambling forms of gambling allow you to. But on, like, platforms like Steam where that allows you to earn some money back if you didn't get anything meaningful from it. That it's just it's all a gray area of differing shades, and it make it's a really difficult discussion. And I don't know how the hell you write laws on something like this without yeah, man, without just being like I don't know, without generalizing to the point of it either inconveniencing and affecting everybody or it being useless. Like I don't know how you make legislation that works for this. And to open a complete other can of worms, you talk about, like, digital goods. And that just goes into the whole conversation about, like, when you purchase a digital game, you don't own the game. You just own a license to play that game. Right. So if the if they decide to shut the servers down on, you know, now games are, everything is always online. If they decide to shut those servers down, you don't get to play the game anymore. You Like, you don't, you have no ownership over it. You have a license to play their IP. Like, it's... Scary fucking times. Like, with the death of physical goods, we're now completely putting our ownership into companies' hands. Like, we don't own stuff anymore. Right. We're just renting it from them for as long as they choose. And, like, that, all of that is buried in these user agreements and licensing agreements. And right. That we're, all that we kind all of stuff. We all click yes that, to or we can't play yeah, it Yeah, without reading yeah. it. Uh, and I mean, like we can go down so many different tangents of how all this stuff is fucked. Cause like, you're like, who's going to read a 20 page user agreement when they log on to their iTunes account for the first time, but it has all this hidden shit in there, but also it's written in a way where a common person can't possibly understand it anyway, because right. it was written by a lawyer for the specific purpose of being open to interpretation and being able to manipulate that to support the company's needs. So like am I hiring a fucking lawyer so I can sign up for an iTunes account? It's just, it's 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 all fucked. We're all fucked. Everything's fucked. <laughs> I mean, the internet you're not was wrong. a mistake. Well, no, humans were a mistake. The inter- the internet is <laughs> taking beautiful. it back, back to the root. <laughs> the, the internet was not a mistake. 
giving the internet to humans hey, I mean, was the mistake. If if humans were wrong and the internet was wrong, two wrongs make a right. Is there something there? Everything no, is porn. There isn't. <laughs> yes, that's, that's the right. There you go. There's the silver lining. <laughs> porn. If it weren't for humans and it weren't for the internet, we wouldn't have porn. That's at right. least not in the traditional or in the modern sense. And what a terrible way uh, uh, life that would be. <laughs> um, so let's move on. Uh, you have something else we were going to talk about before moving into what we've been doing. Oh, yeah. I can just put that under what I've been watching. I'll just do that. Okay. Well, how about you tell me what you've been watching? Okay. Um, so I went and saw Blade Runner 2049. And it okay. was mucho bueno. It cool. was very good. Just like as a standalone thing or particularly as a sequel to Blade Runner? Both. I think you could mm-hmm. go into it without knowledge of the original Blade Runner and still enjoy it and like appreciate yeah. it for its artistry and its shots and like how it's uh, like the composition of everything. Like that, that part of the original Blade Runner lives on in 2049, you know, like meticulously um panning each shot to make sure it's shot perfectly and the shadows are perfect mm-hmm. and everything's perfect um that part of that legacy still lives on they use a lot of shadow still in this movie um to you know imply and to hide things from the from the watcher um it's very very good um and they Harrison Ford did not overstay his welcome I, I heard some people complaining about um, how much he was in the movie, but I didn't think he was in it. Like, he's only in... Well, I don't even want to say that. I'll just say I did not feel like Harrison Ford overstayed his welcome or, like, his character didn't matter and he was only in it just for a callback. Like, there was gotcha. there was some gravity to why he was there. Um, yeah. Because I was confused, like, I don't see how someone would complain about there being too much Harrison Ford. Right. That seems impossible. Yeah. But if it was, if the character didn't mean anything, then absolutely he could be right. in there too much. Yeah, there, there were, I saw online some people saying, oh, he's only in it because, you know, they want people to see the movie and he's only in it as yeah. like a nod to fans of the original or whatever. But that's not mm-hmm. the case. They, they weaved him into the story, I think, uh, pretty uh, artfully. But uh, it was very 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 good i will that is a movie i would like to own um so cool. hopefully they reveal they uh release some blu-ray double pack or something i'm sure they will and i'll probably pick that up because uh i really really liked it um i'm also about halfway through the first season of dc's legends of tomorrow um okay. where are you watching that it is on netflix oh I, interesting I don't know if there are multiple seasons. I did not even look into that. There All are. I know is I'm like halfway through the first season on Netflix. Okay. Yeah, I think um, it's in like season three-ish. Okay. I haven't seen it. It's not great. Right. Have you seen Arrow or Flash? So I like... Like the other DC shows? I like Arrow. Arrow's also bad, but I like Arrow. Yeah. Um, the Flash, none of the characters really meant anything to me. So, but like in watching DC Legends of Tomorrow, I came to realize that a couple of these characters are from that. Um, okay. And, um, who, who else? Oh, the dude from Prison Break, 
the main mm-hmm. dude from Prison Break is in it, and holy he plays Heat Wave, right? shit, he's bad. He plays like Yikes. the opposite of Heat Wave. Uh, oh, Captain Cold? Captain Cold, yes. Okay. Um, and then some other dude plays Heat Wave. Holy shit, he's a bad actor. I've never seen Prison yep. Break, and he's freaking yeah, I didn't, terrible. Yeah, I didn't watch. I didn't watch Prison Break, but I saw enough of it and like enough trailers and clips where I was like, "Yeah, this is this looks like a bad show." He's bad. With he, bad he's, he's he's bad actor. Um, <laughs> the leading British guy is okay. He's a British dude that I think he plays, badly uh, wants to be David Tennant. Um, Rip Hunter. Yeah. Yes. The time traveler. Yeah, he's okay. Um, I very much feel like he is a stand-in for a David Tennant archetype. Okay. Um, at and least, what's his at face plays the what's his face plays uh, the Adam right the dude who was Superman Brandon Routh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because he he's an Arrow as well. Isn't that's he like, the main character? Yeah, that's where the character was introduced. Yeah. Yeah. Adam was introduced in Arrow, and he. I mean, I wouldn't say he's the main character. They're all they all share screen time. Okay. Um, okay, but he's in it. I also, I'm not a huge, he's at least charming, but he's not a great character. Right. But he's at least charming, I guess. And, uh, the Hawk girl and Hawk dude, whatever his name is. Um, Hawk man. <laughs> is it actually Hawk man? Yes. It's oh, Hawk man. That's, For a second. Oh, I thought man. you were serious and they had changed the name of the character. No, to Hawk no. Dude. No, I was guessing. <laughs> I didn't want to I mean, say Hawkman. It's Hawk the CW. Man. Fucking anything's up that's, for, for that's fair. change now. No, they did not. But they're in it because they also were in like a little crossover miniseries with the Arrow people. Um, okay. I don't think either of them are particularly good actors. Frankly, yes. I don't. no one on the show is a good actor. I'm just going to pull yeah. that out right now. It's a CW show, man. Yeah, it's the and CW. Writing's pretty bad, and the special effects aren't super great. And honestly, I don't know why I'm watching it, but I'm over halfway through, so I may as well stick it out. <sighs> uh, I don't know what I'm missed doing. opportunities. Yeah, because that's what, it, what that's what it was like for me with Arrow. I hadn't seen it, and everybody's was talking about how much of a fan servicey kind of show it was. That it jumped the shark a little bit in like season four or whatever, but that I should stick through season one, and then it gets you know it's not good, but it's still fun. The way that Smallville was fun, yeah, yeah. And I just couldn't, I just can't, dude. Stephen Amell, the dude that plays Ol- he, Oliver, yeah, he he's gives not, he gives he's you nothing. So boring. He is. He's so boring. He is. Man, it just like it makes me angry. There are so many talented actors out there. That don't get work, yeah. And then these people like are on these shows because they're good, they're hot. Yep. Like that's it, they're hot, and so they're on these shows. And yeah. like on something like Legends of Tomorrow, it's people that have face recognition to get to get you interested in watching it. Right. It's it's bums me out. Yeah. I love the DC hero so much, and both the TV universe and the film universe are just shitting all <laughs> over the thing that I like. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah. They're, they're not they're not good, but. I'm watching it. I, <laughs> I just have too much other stuff. It, yeah. Like if I was bored, I, I totally don't. would stick through Arrow. But there's just too much other stuff that I want to watch. Yeah, I was in I'm between. Not, shows, I'm not going to do that anymore. So I went ahead and yeah, started sure. it just as like, hey, this is maybe something I could talk about on the podcast. And so my <laughs> yeah, whole day that. off on Wednesday, I just watched that like first half of the season. Nah, yeah. I, I mean, I wasn't really enjoying it, but there, I, I, <laughs> but laughed, I laughed a couple times. Okay. There are a couple okay. moments in seven episodes. 45-minute yeah. <laughs> episodes. Um, 
Also, uh, I guess the other thing I pushed back to this segment was uh, Danny O'Dwyer's no clip um, crowdfunded video uh, video game documentaries. They did uh, a series on The Witcher or CD Project CD Project Red, um, and uh, those are some fantastically uh, done videos. Uh, he mm-hmm. asks Danny has a a penchant for asking the right questions to the right people and it's edited well and shot well and gives you a lot of, um, uh, makes you feel like you know the developer, um, by the end of them. And just, it's really fascinating. I've always liked seeing games. He has like a lot of debug footage of Witcher three, which is really cool. Um, and like footage of the previous Witcher games, which I've never played. I played like three hours of Witcher two on Xbox 360. Um, but that's it. So it was cool to go back and kind of get some more context to those to Witcher Three. Um, it was really neat, and it was them sharing some of these fun things. Like they, there was this point at zero zero on the coordinate plane in their open world, and every time they would hit this delete button, they would like Control Z or whatever to delete stuff or backspace. And turns out it was actually just moving the item to zero zero, and so. They're like, we're handing all these like performance drops in this area. Like, what's going on? Like, and there were like thousands upon thousands of deleted objects hanging out at zero <laughs> zero, like whole houses yeah. and like towns and stuff, uh, and NPCs and like mugs and everything. Um, and so they obviously <laughs> covered over all of that, and they put like this really cool looking tree in the middle of a forest at zero zero. And I think they might have even worked in like a secret quest thing there or something that kind of made it sound like. But it's just it's hmm. cool little development stuff like that. That now, if I were to go back and play the game, I could be like, "Oh, this is the zero zero tree." Like, right? Cool yeah, stuff cool. like that. So it's it's fun. It's full of really nifty little nuggets of information about the Witcher series. So highly recommend anybody who's even remotely on the edge of interest towards the Witcher franchise to watch that. It's a no clip uh, YouTube channel. Um, I've and been all playing, all of yeah. his stuff is accessible, right? On, yes. on YouTube, like because yeah. I know because he's he's funding this through Patreon, but yes. all of the videos you can watch for free on YouTube. Yeah, all of the documentaries. Like if you're a Patreon subscriber, you get all the behind the scenes stuff for no clip. Sure, but like all of the main documentary videos, those are available for free on YouTube. Um, Sweet. In terms of what I've been playing, I'm still playing Fallout Four modded. I hit level fifty. The other day, I have so almost you've been playing it a lot. I have almost three days on that game. I have like something like the upper sixties in hours. Yeah, I've been playing a lot of Fallout Four, and like I'm finding quests <laughs> I've never found before. Like, sure. I, yeah. I, I never did the pirate ship quest. Like, I never. Oh man, that's it's one of the so best ones. Funny. Oh, it's oh, so the quest funny. Is great. Ooh, man, I yeah. had a good time with that. Um. And like I'm, I'm still encountering quests I've never that aren't modded quests either that I've uh, sure. never engaged with. So that's still fun. Um, Do you have any hot new mods? Uh, no, but like Creator Club keeps putting stuff on sale, like armor and stuff. So I keep mm. grabbing them like when they're free for free. Yeah, nice. So I have, I have, uh, in terms of what I got for free, I got the horse armor for free. I got the prey suit for free. I got the onyx paint, which gives you like stealth buffs. The mm-hmm. chrome paint, which gives you energy resistance buffs, and the swamp camo paint. I can't remember what that one does, um, but it also has an effect. So I've gotten all those for free, and the only one I bought so far is the 
uh, modular backpacks. Backpack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so still playing Fallout 4. Um, Cuphead, I have made it to Island 2. So I've beaten some more of the bosses there. That's still a really fantastic game that will probably be are those, on my game of the year list. Are those set up like the Mario Worlds? Like, for context, how far is Island 2? Um, Like seven. I've beaten like seven bosses and like a running gun or level or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've beaten like two running uh, like, gun Are there like five islands? Bosses. Like, do you know? I don't know how long it is, no. I'm not okay. sure. Um, and I got Evil Within 2 on PS4, and it is so good. I mean, it's Shinji Mikami, the guy who did Resident Evil 4, so, like, of mm-hmm. course I'm going to like it. But they they just took everything they did in the first Evil Within and honed it down and fine-tuned it, and they've changed it from a very linear game to an open environment game. So mm-hmm. there's, like, this basically this hub town that you're running around in, and, like, the progress of... It feels like a Dark Souls game. And, like, the fun part of the Dark Souls games are exploring and learning the environments. For me, that's what was fun. Was really learning enemy placement and environments and stuff. And But at least in Evil Within 2, as you kill enemies, they're not coming back. Just every now and then okay. there will be an enemy, like, that isn't an area you've been. Just to keep you on your toes. Um <laughs> Not let your guard down. There was a time where I was just, like, sprinting from one end of the town to the other, like, no care in the world. And then this giant group of, like, five dudes spilled out of a doorway. And I was like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Like, I cleared this building, like, an hour and a half ago. Uh, So that was, that's fun. It's just, like, there's a lot going on in it. Like, there's crafting, um, which there was crafting in the first game. But this, like, they really... um, it made the system more robust this time around because um, you can like fully upgrade all your weapons and like there's a skill tree with the green goo and that's more expanded than I believe in the first one. You're still trying to find the statues and break them for the locker keys where you go back to this area and you can open lockers that just have items for you um, to like give you a little bonus, whatever, a little boost here and there. Um, it's just... It's got a lot going on, and there are, like, these computers you can go and log into, and they take you to this separate area called the Marrow, which is, like, mm-hmm. kind of a, an in-between area, because the whole STEM thing is, like, breaking apart, so that's kind of their excuse for these more, um, these bigger, but kind of chunk-based areas. Um, yeah. It's just, it's really, really cool, and it it's super unsettling. There's this chick with a few heads... <laughs> as you do who's like eight and a half casually. yeah eight and a half feet tall and like right. limps around but then like glitches forward really fast sometimes yeah. and she'll show up and her sign is that everything gets really cold and like you can kind of hear her laughing which which is the worst thing in the world and Fuck so I'm, you're just like walking around the world exploring and then like you start seeing sebastian's breath and he's like, he's like shivers yeah. and like it gets cold. And then like, you just like very slowly begin to hear like her laugh. And then like, mm-hmm. then she like appears around you. So like you're hiding in a bush and she's just walking around you and you just have to pick your moment to fucking make a break for it. And like mm. you're running, like you're sprinting and your stamina bar is precipitously draining. And she's like yeah. slowly coming after you. You're like, I'm making, I'm making progress. I'm making progress. And she like glitches like 10 feet forward. And you're like, oh fuck, oh fuck. Like I don't have the stamina for this shit. Oh, it's so good. It is so good. I'm like six hours, five and a half hours in, and I feel like I've yeah. just cleared that first big chunk. 
area, and I'm kind of about to go to someplace else. Um, it's really good. Did they fix good. the way, like, the weapons and ammo works? Because, obviously, I didn't play the first game, but I remember that being one of the large criticisms that there wasn't nearly enough ammo, and so, like, you could completely just be screwed if you use your three shotgun shots, and then you're just kind of stuck in an area because you don't have any bullets. So, something... Um you have a finite amount of resources, right? So you can craft stuff back at a crafting bench, and it only takes half the resources it takes to craft that stuff out in the world if you were to craft it. Mm-hmm. So, like, a handgun bullet only takes two gunpowder at the bench, but it takes four out in the world. So if, like, emergency mm-hmm. crafting, you can still make it, but you're going to use more resources. Um, so you can screw yourself into a position where you don't have any ammo, but the game will... I, I progressed the story, basically, to a point where it seems like some of the item locations respawned items, and there are now okay. areas that are lootable again. Um, it doesn't really come out and say that to you, uh, but there was a truck I had definitely, definitely looted before, and I did the story beat, and I came back to the area after leaving, and there was stuff there again. So it seems like, yeah, it seems like if you stick it out and you like struggle through a section or two... Um, stuff will begin reappearing. It's probably still possible to screw yourself over. I mean, like, it's not an easy game. And the shooting doesn't feel great. Um, But you can, like, spend skill points to reduce weapon sway and stuff like that. You know, that whole thing. Okay. um, To make the shooting a little better. But, I mean, in the early parts of the game, you're very much learning enemy animations in terms of, like, trying to pull off those kill shots and stuff. Um and there, there are different things. You know, there are you find ammo pouches that increase your ammo capacity, carry capacity for stuff. Um, but like, I mean, you can blow through a lot of ammo just on like a few guys if you don't handle it properly. But like, you can yeah. always on regular enemies, and they will sometimes drop gunpowder and stuff when you kill them. On regular enemies, if you sneak attack them, you just kill them with your knife, and they will drop stuff. And that's that's still a big part of the gameplay is the stealth. Um, I would say it's. I wouldn't say it's vital, but it's super helpful because you you yeah. use no resources. Um, mm-hmm. Like I will, if there's a group of three dudes and I don't have any like shock bolts or whatever with my crossbow, I'll try to sneak up and stealth kill one of them while the other two begin their aggro sequence, and then I'll run away. And if I can't get away from them, I'll kill the other two. If I can, I'll go back and try and stealth kill them and stuff. So, I. It's extending my playtime by doing that because I'm taking longer with each encounter. Sure. But I'm saving resources to the point where I, at no time do I feel like I don't have enough stuff to handle a bad situation. You know, I feel like I'm pretty well stocked. If I had to utilize everything in my arsenal, I feel like I could get through whatever the game throws at me right now. Um, but You don't find that tedious, though? Having to like backtrack and kind of cheese it a little bit. Um, I could I could see it getting tedious, but it's because it's all still scary. That like sure. you're not letting your guard down while backtracking and doing all this stuff because stuff yeah. is still gonna possibly pop out at you and freak you out, you know. Um, or like like there are uh, there will be opportunities for new quests, side quests, and stuff that pop up on your okay. way back and forth. So like I'm not getting bored because they, I mean it's not a huge area. Like I can sprint from one end to the other in under a minute, but it's jam packed with stuff. I mean hmm. they really 
it's dense with things uh, in like hidden areas and nooks and crannies and that stuff they make it fun to seek that stuff out because getting supplies is really rewarding because then you can go into an encounter and feel like a powerhouse for a second right and then you blow through it all and you feel like shit again but like it's yeah it Evil Within Two. That's that that will definitely <laughs> be on my game of the year list this year. It's yeah, it's that's cool. Very good, and I feel like I know you're looking forward to it. Yeah, and uh, the story in the first one was okay. It was a little generic, but this one I feel like they have more. It's less like it's less what the fuck mystery and more. I I want to find out and figure out what's going on kind of mystery instead of just mm-hmm. throwing balls to the wall crazy creepy shit at you all the time. This one feels like um and your character cuz he's seen this stuff before from the first game. He's like referencing stuff from the first game too in a way that the player is already referencing in their mind. And so that also helps your connection with the character and feel like you are Sebastian and Sebastian is you and Sure. Yeah, it's it's really good like it's freaking me out in the middle of the day i was playing it bright sun (laughs) like glare on the screen and i'm like screaming it's (laughs) it's really good so that's cool that they can in in a game or just period at a game but in something that is so interactive and put so much of the onus on the player to be exploring uh, it's cool it's always cool to see horror games that can do that right because when you put the power in the player's hands, you can't manipulate the timing of things as much as you normally would be able to right. in a movie, for example. So I, I definitely always appreciate companies that can go out and do that well. And I feel like, for sure, Shin, Shinji Mikami is somebody that has excelled at that for a long-ass time. <laughs> a very long time. So, enough about my life. What about yours? Yeah, so uh, just real quick, in addition to reading some HP at the beach, I also finally sat down and I brought along a couple of trades that I had because I was like, you know what? I have all these comics that are just sitting in my closet. I always burn out on comics and I get super into them and then I don't read them. So I brought a couple with me. I didn't read them all, but I read the mini series for Star Wars Han Solo. Did you read that? So the basic story is it takes place in between episodes four and five. Yeah. And Han is effectively hired by the Rebel Alliance to go pick up a couple like confidential informant types. And as part of that, he gets entered into this crazy race with some other racers. And so he's picking up the CIs on the planets that they're supposed to land in the race. And that's just kind of the basic setup. Yeah. And I'd say that only to explain, like, the whole thing's, like, pretty standard. Like, I I, I had a good time reading it. It's only five issues, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, I enjoyed my time because I love the Han Solo character. Yeah. Uh, but, like, it didn't really do anything super special. And n- nothing about it was especially unpredictable or surprising it was just kind of like like i equate it to like a dumb summer popcorn flick yeah in comic book form um but that i mean i'm not trying to take away a bunch from it because it was still a fun read but i don't know i found the star wars comics since the new canon was instituted to be super hit and miss especially the miniseries like the darth vader ongoing has been really yeah, good the star wars ongoing has been really good but a lot of the miniseries like the princess leia Not one wasn't good. great 
The Lando one I did enjoy, but the Chewbacca one I thought was terrible. Yeah. And then now this Han Solo one I think is just like, eh, it was okay. I do have the first trade of the Poe Dameron series and that the first right. trade of the Dr. Aphra solo series because she obviously was a character right. introduced in, in Darth Vader and now has her own spinoff. So I'm excited to look at those because I fucking love Poe Dameron from the movie and I really like the Doc Aphra character. So I'm excited to get into those, but more than anything it was like a yay i read one of my comic books <laughs> and so <laughs> yeah. i was glad because like we you know we like to talk about comics on the show but neither of us have stuck with comics enough where it's like a weekly thing if right. you know if i had more money i wish that i could do a weekly review series of you know the weekly issues i'm picking up but i just am not consuming comics in that way right now unfortunately yeah me either um Beyond that, I did finish the first episode of Life is Strange Beyond the Storm. Okay. I can happily report that it gets a lot better. Oh, good, 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 the good. The portion that I played was just Chloe, and it was very introduc- introductory yeah. to her and to the world, etc. And there wasn't really much story. But shortly after, because I, you know, I obviously talked about this last episode... Shortly after that, you're introduced to Rachel, who, if you remember from the first season, she's the chick that was missing. Yes. That was Chloe's f- friend, quote unquote, more than friends. Yeah. And so she becomes the main driver of the story. And her uh, Chloe's relationship with Rachel is the primary thing in the back half of that first episode. And man, the dialogue and the character interactions get so much better once those two are together. That it, it bummed me out even more that like the first half of it left such a bad taste and was so uninteresting obviously the mechanical issues remain the camera is still terrible the little mini game where you're insulting people is still really cheesy a lot of the writing isn't particularly great um but those characters and their relationships feel very real and despite it being angsty teenagers there's that whole element of like growing up and they're very confused because they're attracted to one another and they're both girls. So it's like this confusing sexuality that they're feeling and they just met. So like all of that is handled really, really well. Good. I will say that like, it does take another turn where Chloe starts having these, I guess it's kind of a minor spoiler for the first episode in terms of setup at least, but Chloe starts having these like dreams about her dad who's dead. And like, I'm not sure of the purpose of those yet. And it feels a little bit like without that time manipulation and murder mystery hook of the first season, this still feels like I'm not sure why I'm doing this. Like, I'm not sure what the point of this is um, other than just the relationship between these two, which, again, is very good. But, like, there's not a ton driving me between episodes. Yeah. like, I'm not sure why, like, there's nothing to hook me really into episode two the way that there were those huge cliffhangers almost between every episode in the first season. Right. So, we'll see. Like, obviously, I'm I'm in it enough to want to continue to see it through, okay. and I'm glad it got better, but it's still one of those, like, I don't know. I, after the, that first announcement where I was like, oh, fuck yes, New Life is Strange, then learning it was a different developer, then learning it wasn't the same actor, then learning it wasn't going to have the same time manipulation mechanics, <laughs> right. playing the first half where it was – it's just like bad news after bad news after bad news. So I don't know. Still a bit of a sour taste in my mouth about this, but um, I think the second episode comes out relatively soon in the next couple of weeks or month or so. So okay. I will play it. 
Um, Beyond that, obviously, the big thing that I was playing is South Park Fractured Butthole. I actually just was playing it right before we recorded this, and we'll go back to playing it as soon as we finish (laughs) recording this. Do it. Um, I'm a little bummed because, like, I wanted to put a lot of time into it before coming into the podcast since it's a fresh release. But just because I was out of town and then I've had a bunch of crap I've had to do since I got back, I've only played for maybe an hour and a half so far. Uh, And... I was a little worried that I would spend most of that hour and a half creating my character in the beginning because that's kind of like <laughs> how I play these sort of games. Yeah. Like I always think about um, when Kingdom Hearts first came out, I spent over an hour deciding do I want to pick the staff, the sword, or the shield. <laughs> and then it was even worse once you had to pick one to give up right. after that. Like that is still like one of the hardest video game decisions <laughs> I've ever made. Designing my character, it always takes me fucking forever. Anyway, so I designed my character. He's cool. Like, I want to play... It's it's tough because it's a non-speaking protagonist, similar to the first game. So, like, your character doesn't have a lot of, quote-unquote, character. But I wanted to make this dude a little bit more, like, cool. Because in the first game, he was more of a nerd. At least my my, my headcanon. He was more of a nerd okay. like me. So this guy, he's got, like, a little bit of a faux hawk. It's, he's got, like, white frosted tips. Like, he's a little cool. <laughs> And so once you get to the point where you're picking your superpower, the three um, kind of uh, categories up front, which I think expand as you continue and get new powers, but it's basically it's speedster, it's tank, or it's like DPS where you shoot fireballs. Like it's those three tropes basically. And I went with like the DPS fire guy because his powers seemed really cool. And I will say... Like, if you liked the first game, at least where I am now, I'm I'm enjoying it a lot. The presentation is all still very good. I love the writing. All the little tiny things that, to me, are like, how did they fit all this shit in this game? Right. Like, all the names, just the names for the scrap that you find, the little flavor check text that characters give, little icons that pop up when you accomplish something. Like, all of that is all... Every Everything is unique every single time. And that's very rare in video games. Yeah. Like, video, making video games is fucking hard. And so they want to reuse as much stuff as possible. And I feel like Stick stick of Truth and now Fractured But Whole really buck that trend and make everything you're doing feel very unique. Yeah. Uh, it's still, like all toilet humor so <laughs> right. take that for what it's worth <laughs> one of the side missions it's not even really a mission it's like little mini games you can take in every house you go in there's a you can take a shit and it's a mini game <laughs> where it's like qtes basically to take a dump that's pretty and you good get leveled gear leveled uh rewards based on how well you do but it's all that same kind of shtick just with the superhero flavor instead of the fantasy flavor um but the way that it ties into the first game, I think, is very smart and kind of how it's changing genres. Uh, I will also say that the combat feels improved. It's still, and granted, I'm, I'm very early on, but it's it's still easy. Like, the first game was never a challenge. The only thing that was really hard was that Al Gore fight. And with this, like, I, I've had, I've done maybe five or six battles so far, none of which I've gotten anywhere close to f- losing half of my health yet. Okay. I'm sure it will get more intense as things go. I heard it it, does, yeah. Yeah, it it feels fairly easy at this point. I liked in the first game that you didn't have to grind. It was easy enough that you didn't have to just fight boring, you know, turn-based fights over and over again to level up the way you typically would in a JRPG. So I hope that remains true in this. 
because I would much rather a tight 20 hour experience than like a padded grinding 35 hour experience. Sure. That's why I really loved stick of truth. And it was my game of the year that year. Um, and the way that they've changed the combat to being the grid style tactic, it's not super deep. Like the grids are relatively small, at least in the terms of powers that I have right now. There's no like flanking mechanics or anything super deep about that, but it does add a nice new wrinkle. Um, but it is very, it is very easy. It's a little bit rote right now. Like I only have a couple of powers. They look great to use. They're fun. Yeah. But uh, there's nothing like particularly awesome about the combat, similar to how the first game. Okay. Um, the biggest criticism I have of it thus far, which I feel like is pretty par for the course with RPGs, is there are just so many systems that they dump on you right away and so many different tutorials. Like You have all these crafting mechanics in here now where you can make artifacts that make you stronger. That you like In the first game, you found enhancements that you could put in your armor or in your weapons that give them an additional buff or an elemental bonus, etc. Well, in this game, you do find those, but you can also craft them. And you can also craft consumables, and there's all the customization in your armor and appearance, and I don't know. There's just a lot of different things that uh, are a lot of different systems that I'm trying to manage right now. And only being 90 minutes in, I'm a little overwhelmed already. Um, but I feel pretty confident that, you know, with a little more time in the game, it'll feel better. But... If you enjoyed the first game, still definitely recommend it. And honestly, I'm looking back. I'm looking forward to going and playing the first game again because you get it for free with the purchase of this one. At least since I pre-ordered it, I got it. So I'm excited to go back and play the first game again after I beat this one. Yeah, I haven't revisited that since I played it initially. I'm, yeah, yeah. That that'd be a fun one to go back to. Um, anything else? Um, yes. So I haven't touched Destiny this week, but. Last week, I did play some Iron Banner just because I was curious and they had, uh, you got one of the powerful rewards for playing through the first season, whatever, couple of matches. So I did that. Nothing really felt different than typical PvP except I was getting stomped every single time because I was constantly going against teams. Um, so there's that. Yeah. But also, um, because I am kind of done with Destiny 2 except for like maybe occasionally checking in on weekends or if there's a big event. I did load up a YouTube video of the raid because I wanted to check it out and see what there was. And granted, the guy that I was... I, I clicked through a couple of them because it's YouTubers and Twitch streamers and so they're all fucking annoying as hell. So I had to find one where the dude wasn't incredibly annoying. But part of it is that I didn't know the guy, so I'm not invested in him. But I was bored after like watching them for an hour. They got to the bat and... I, I think, and you had said this, that it changes the order of things that you attack changes. Yeah. So in this one, they got to the baths, which uh, I they, they called it the baths. I don't even know what the hell that means yeah, in the bathhouse context. Yeah. But uh, like they were banging their head against it for a little bit. And I was just like, you know, like this just isn't interesting. I'm not, I don't care about this. And granted, it's a video game. It's meant to be played, not watched. But... That very that turned me off even more from like caring about getting to that end game content in Destiny Two. So, eh, yeah. But um, yeah. I did want to talk about because we touched on this last episode, and I've been thinking about it a little more because we didn't really dive into it, and I kind of want to of the types of things that Bungie can and should add 
to make the daily Destiny experience better and make it more than something. Even for the hardcore players, there's no reason to play Destiny more than once a week. Because every, like every Tuesday, you log in, you do the Nightfall, you do the Raid, that's where you get your gear. And then you wait until the next week, you do it again, and that's that slow ramp up and progression. Right. So I wanted to find um, things that they could add for people like you and I to make like me a little bit more interested in playing on a regular basis. So I have three ideas. Let me know what you think of these, Kyle, and if there's anything else that jumps out. So the first one is based on that faction rallies that they did. And that, you know, if people listening remember, it, it didn't add any new content, but it added new rewards for doing the same content. So you align yourself with one of three factions, and you do all your public events, your strikes, etc., and you get rep that you turn into them, where you can get specific faction shaders and armor and weapons. And at the end of the week, the particular faction that got the most tokens turned in got a special weapon. So they're pro- I'm sure they're going to do this semi-regularly. And it's a cool way to you know encourage people to come back. But I thought this would be a fun thing to add to PvP as well. Not that I want to play PvP. <laughs> but that you could still have the same three factions. And you align yourself with that faction. And in matches, everyone on your team would be in. So if you go in New Monarchy and you go and play Crucible, everybody on your team would be New Monarchy. Yeah. And you'd be versus an entire team of Future War Cult or Dead Orbit. And I feel like that's, like, more of that teamwork. Because, like, you know, Kyle, you and I played when we were did the factions. But I aligned myself with New Monarchy and you aligned yourself with Dead Orbit, right? No, I did or New Monarchy. Wrong? Okay, well, Co- Cody did oh, Dead yeah, Orbit. Oh, yeah, Cody did Dead Orbit. And so, so, like, we were playing together. And it's still fun because we're friends and we're playing together. But we're not earning things together. We're earning things, in, like, in disparate teams. Right. And so with this, like, if you and I went New Monarchy, we could go play Crucible together. And we'd get teamed up with other people that were also New Monarchy. And we'd fight against Cody, who's Dead Orbit, with other Dead Orbit people. And I feel like that would add a little bit more to, like, the teamwork aspect of these factions that is lacking right now. Yeah. Um, but again, I don't really want to play PvP. This is more of like me playing backseat designer, and like <laughs> generally, I think people might be interested in this. Yeah, I would not be. Um, also, and this is a lot of stuff that's specific to me because I don't care about playing the Nightfall so much. But more reason to play the regular content. So like strikes. There's no point in playing strikes. I quickly leveled past for the point where I was getting good gear from them. And even if you want rare gear to dismantle to get, you know, uh, gunsmith, whatever, there's so many better, faster ways of doing it. Like, there is literally no reason to play strikes unless you just like the strikes, which I do. But I want a reward for that. Sure. So even if they were going to, like, up the drop rates or, like, guarantee a legendary engram at the end of every strike, something that makes them worth playing... And things that are more worth repeatably playing. So like the Lost Sectors. Those were a cool thing they added to this in the beginning. Where it was fun to go in with friends and be the little mini boss and get some gear. But again, none of that gear means anything anymore. Because it's mostly rare shit. And so a a way I thought that would make it at least a little more engaging. Is if they did something procedurally generated. Which like I know isn't as easy as clicking the procedurally generate box. They have to design it for that. But just thinking of other games that have repeatable content, like a Diablo, 
And like that's what this game is. It's a loot game like Diablo. So give us new like make every time I play it, it should be new. It shouldn't be the same freaking thing over and over and over. That was a huge criticism of Destiny 1 that they addressed a little bit with some of the strikes. Like they changed where enemies would be, the types of enemies, that sort of thing. But I think they can take it a step farther and make it more procedurally generated. And this is more for like a big future DLC release because this is obviously a big change. But like, I don't know. Uh, Let me load into a new area that's procedurally generated with a specific type of enemy on a specific planet with a specific goal other than just kill dudes and hold square. I don't know. That's that's very general, but that would add a lot of interest to me and make me want to play it regularly versus just grinding out the same public event six times on Nessus. Right. Yeah, I agree. So that's where I am. That's where I am on Destiny content. Again, there's nothing in there right now to like keep me hooked and keep me coming back. I want it to because the game feels great to play. Yeah. And there's a lot of really good stuff in there. It's just... The grind isn't fun, and the content that you need to do isn't content that I want to do or have the friends list to be able to do. So I'm kind of done with Destiny 2 for the foreseeable future, unfortunately. Welcome to the club, man. Yeah, and I know like we're not alone in that. I'm seeing a lot of talk online, too, of even the hardcore people just being like, all right, I'm at 305. I've beaten the raid a bunch. Now what? Like, there's nothing to do. No, Like, there's no more new stuff you can get. There are no hidden exotics, at least, that people have found. There's just, there's not nearly as much mystery as even was in the first game. And right. there wasn't even enough in the first game. So, it is what it is. I still got plenty of hours out of it. Yeah, same um, But, final thing before we jump into news that I wanted to talk about. So, we're in the meat of game release season now towards the end of October and obviously you know we talked about Evil Within 2 and South Park just recently came out Shadow of War just recently came out but on the horizon there are three other big games and all of them I'm like eh about so obviously there's Shadow of War which just came out Assassin's Creed comes out this month Call of Duty World War 2 comes out next month and Star Wars Battlefront comes out and all of them I'm just like like none of them feel like must plays to me i i I obviously am very interested in our star wars battlefront 2 i have some reservations about it specifically about ea which we'll get into in a little bit about continually supporting their decisions with my money but um as a game like i want to play the single player mode but i know i'm not going to play the multiplayer for very long despite the fact that it's star wars even if it's good i just don't like multiplayer shooters and i feel the same fucking way about call of duty world war 2 I would play the single player. I'd play it with you. Well, yeah, because there is a separate like, co-op experience. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that would be fun for us to play too. And I would play the multiplayer with you. But it's like to spend 60 bucks on one of those games where I'm going to get like a five-hour single player experience or co-op experience and then dump some time into the multiplayer that I'm only going to partially enjoy... It's just not really what I'm looking for. And then you have games like Assassin's Creed, which I'm burnt out on that series. Middle Earth, which that first game didn't grab me anyway. It's that like generic open world type game that I'm typically not into. Something like Horizon Zero Dawn is the exception to the rule for me with those types of games. There just aren't that many narrative-driven experiences, which in a AAA game, that's what I want. In a smaller indie title, I want some more experimental stuff, but... 
I like I like playing games by myself. I like it being escapism. I like getting a story with characters I care about and fun gameplay. I don't want to play a multiplayer game. I don't want this fucking games as a service thing, etc. So I know Kyle, you're getting World War II. I know you're also getting Battlefront 2. What should I buy? Um So how about I make this slightly easier for you and I just buy you Call of Duty for Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an even like bigger cheat because uh, I'm, I'm coming up there to celebrate our Christmas on Thanksgiving because Kelly and I, we trade off uh, when we go up to Ohio slash Indiana. So I'll be there at Thanksgiving. So my Christmas will be a month early. So that means we could play Call of Duty together. I know. Wow. I'm saying that's what I'm saying, man. That's what I'm saying. Tell me more about the beta. We talked about this last episode, but especially especially like the multiplayer. Like, how does it compare to other Call of Duty games? So, like with the beta, um, that's yeah. I had a really good time with it. Like, I played like I said, probably like twenty matches or something like that. Yeah, um, somewhere in that vein. And I th- I maybe lost like two times, two or three times, and I. Always had over a 2.0 KD, which was always my goal. I'm not asking how great you were at the beta. <laughs> Tell me about the gameplay of the beta. Like, how does it compare? Is it obviously because it's World War II, there's no like uh, jetpacks and shit like there have been in the recent games, but does it feel more like the COD 4 Modern Warfare 2 style? Um, yes, because it, uh, it feels like each map feels very distinctive. Because I played, like, two or three different maps, and they feel very different, and it almost... Because in those, like, Call of Duty games, you're not... Sometimes it felt like you were playing against the map. Like, for uh, Modern Warfare 2 or Modern Warfare 3, sometimes it felt like you you are playing the map, not necessarily the other team. Like, you have... You come up with a flow that you personally have for a map. Right, so if they're pushing hard this side, you know to go around this side, and you you develop your own strategies. Whereas in the newer okay. Call of Duties, with the more modern technology and weapons and stuff, I felt like, or more futuristic rather, I felt like, especially with the implementation of like that movement system, like wall running and stuff, I felt like yeah, I never had a good handle on the space. Like I never had a good handle on where people were, and I. Like, I didn't feel connected to the maps. Like, they weren't interesting. And so you don't take the time. Like, they don't imprint on your brain as well as... Like, I could still draw you layouts from Modern Warfare 2's maps. Like, I could still draw, like, routes and stuff. And this one, like, I only played 20 matches across, like, three or four maps maybe total. But I could give you a pretty good approximation of what those maps are like and how the general flow of bodies was and like the back and forth on that stuff and like the map circuits and they were just interesting like there was one of them that was like a d-day beachhead bunker with um uh the trenches and stuff in between and like so there's kind of a circular area you can go around and there are all these entrances into the middle like kind of no man's landy um, mm-hmm. middle portion and like a lot of 
tight windows for sniping. If you're really good, you can nail those shots in those tight windows and a lot of close quarters options and some good mid-range spots. Like, there's something in those maps for everyone, for every style of play. There are good mm-hmm. spaces for those. Um, I just, like, those maps, they they feel more personable and more memorable and like they like they have their own personality and tone when you jump into them in a way that the more recent call of duties felt really generic and stale um these feel like they're throwing a lot more um interesting elements into them like rust you had like the sandstorm rust and stuff like that and that was a really tight map and then can't remember from Modern Warfare 2. What was the one where it was like uh it was like that it was Middle Eastern map and there's like the like the rusted out vehicles and stuff and there's like the mountain you could go under and part of it and there was a couple bunkers. There's a grassy area where with like tall grass you could lay in. Yeah, I like know which one you're face. thinking of because when we talked about Modern Warfare 2, that was the first map that jumped into my head as yeah, well. And yeah, I, I don't remember the name of it, but yes. And, like, there's all this, like, uh, scene-setting stuff. Like, there's gunfire going on in the background constantly. There's stuff happening around the map that, like, make mm-hmm. it dynamic and interesting. And there's a lot more of that in these maps. It f- just feels like they spent more time on them, and they got right. more creative with them again. Like, they... It feels like they kind of rejuvenated their creative juices by jumping back a couple eras of war. Um, so it just it feels it feels really good. Um, it you know it's a solid Call of Duty shooter and the guns are familiar, but uh, there are some new additions to the World War II arsenal and um, it has that flow. And maybe it's maybe it's because i've sat the last several out in terms of multiplayer right. that i'm just i'm just ready to go back in maybe some of this is coming from that angle of it but i just feel like I, i'm ready to go back into it yeah that that's definitely part of it for me too and honestly the world war 2 setting is a big piece of it because like after modern warfare 3 that's when i was kind of like I think I'm done with Call of Duty. Like, I didn't really have that much fun with Modern Warfare 3. I still bought Black Ops 2, but I played it... I think Black Ops 2 came out before or after Modern Warfare 3. I don't remember the cadence anymore. But I got Black Ops 2 or 3, whichever one it was, and played for, like, a week and was like, yeah, I'm done. Peace out. Yeah. And then, like, I had zero interest in Ghosts or Advanced Warfare or Infinite Warfare or Internet Warfare, Social Media Warfare, (laughs) whatever the fucking Warfare games there were. Like, I've had zero, zero, zero interest in playing those. I I would like to play the single player, to be fair. Like, the spectacle is always fun. But in terms of, like, actually buying it in November when it comes out and playing it, no way. But with this one, there is a little part of me that's like, yeah, I kind of want to get back to this because it feels more aligned to the call of duty that i enjoyed back in the day yeah so i if i mean if you're gonna buy it for me i'm not gonna say no i I I hope you don't mind just knowing your christmas present (laughs) via podcast yeah i think i'm okay with that yeah i'm an adult i don't need surprises well and you know what the gift isn't just call of duty the gift is playing games with your bro bro there you go absolutely best best gift you can get but part of part of my thing is like and and that that's like that's cool. I'm excited for that as well. But um, the bigger thing is like these four. I feel like these are the four big releases for the rest of the year. Like Wolfenstein comes out. Um, uh, what's it called? What's that racing game that's coming uh, out? Uh, Need for Speed. A uh, Need for Speed. Like there are other games that are coming out. Sure, but those feel like the four big fall releases this year. Mm-hmm. And I have 
moderate to tepid excitement about any particular one of them. And that feels <laughs> yeah. very different. Like, there's normally at least one thing that I'm super excited about. And maybe, like, that was Fractured But Whole. Like, that was my thing that I was super excited about. And I think that that's okay. But I just haven't played that many games this year. This has been such a strong year for games. And I haven't been interested in most of them. It just feels really weird. And I remember we talked about this in, like, it was a thing about it was like our first or second episode. Just this, like, waning interest that I'm feeling in games in general that I certainly don't like. Yeah. So I'm kind of hoping that... I can catch a Black Friday sale because uh, we're going to be in town and maybe hop over somewhere like a Best Buy on Friday and see if I can get something like Nier or Persona 5 for like 15 bucks, 20 yeah. bucks, where I can take a chance on that uh, and hopefully find something else that I normally wouldn't get that I would enjoy. I know I went hard on Black Friday last year. I got three games. I got... I'm trying to remember. Well, Target usually got, has a um, like buy two get one deal on newer releases. Yeah, and Target I think it does. was it was like that, but it was at Best Buy. I think okay. it was like you know buy two get one free, and I got Sky. I know I got Skyrim Special Edition, Titanfall two, and I think Battlefield one. I think I got those three games okay. for like a total of fifty dollars or something yeah. crazy, and all of those had just come out that fall, so it was a good deal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of where I am. Like looking ahead at the release schedule, I'm just like, and I'm looking at like I try to keep a tally of my quote unquote game of the year list, and I look at it, and I'm you know I'm still playing through um, South Park, and I still need to play farther into Guardians of the Galaxy, Life is Strange. So those may get a lot better. I still need to go try to go back to Tacoma, but at least to games that I have played, it's like Horizon Zero Dawn, Uncharted Lost Legacy. What Remains of Edith Finch I enjoyed. But beyond that, it's like there's nothing else big that I really loved. Right. I played a lot of games this year, or at least a couple, that were bad. Like I played, you know, Mass Effect Andromeda sucked. Yeah, that was a bummer. Um, Destiny 2 is not a bad game, but it's certainly not great. So it's just, I don't know. Ukulele was a huge disappointment to me. That's right. So I don't know. That's it's right. been It's been a weird year for games and me because I'm playing fewer games and normally, I only play games that I will like. Like, I'm pretty smart about knowing what games I'm going to enjoy. I rarely play a game where I'm like, oh, I wasted money on that. Yeah. And that's happened more this year. So it's like, I'm playing less games and enjoying fewer of the games I am playing. It's weird. It's been a weird yeah. year. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what we've been playing, watching, a little bit what we've been reading, too. This Now time. that we're an hour and a half but, um, Well, yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. Shh. shh quiet. Don't tell oh, them. God. Don't let them know how long our podcast is getting. <laughs> um, so we just have a couple of quick news hits because the big news ties into Hate of the Week. So we're going to save that. But some new trailers, like nothing really big to talk about in particular. There's a new Black Panther trailer. That movie still looks fucking amazing. Yeah, it looks fun. I love especially that how like it is this big blockbuster action movie where almost every character is African-American, yeah. or I should say Wakandan. They're not actually African-American. Well, yes, but they uh, are African. You know what I'm trying to say. And I saw an... an well, no. Well, yes, I guess Wakanda is in yeah. Africa. It, I mean, it's a made-up country in Africa, but yeah. Um, but I saw an amazing meme last week about the, the new Black Panther trailer, because on it, it's all the characters, and... Also in this movie, you know, uh, Martin Freeman, who played Bilbo in uh, the Hobbit movies, is in this. 
and Andy Serkis, who played Gollum and a handful of other, you know, motion capture characters in Lord of the Rings is in yeah. this. And they're the only two white characters in this movie, from Lord of the at Rings. least on the poster. <laughs> yeah. On, yeah. They're both from Lord of the Rings. And so like, on this poster, it's like nine different black actors, men and women. And then Martin Freeman and Andy Serkis. And it was like, somebody made a comment of like, how cool is it? in this poster where the white guys are the minority. Yeah. And someone commented and said, Oh yeah, they're the two Tolkien white guys, <laughs> but Tolkien like J.R.R. Tolkien. <laughs> That's good. I had oh, a good I laugh. That I enjoyed that. Internet's okay sometimes. Uh, yeah, sometimes sometimes the internet comes up big. <laughs> uh, but there uh, also new release, new tr- trailer for The Punisher, which I de- like. We talked about the first trailer and how I was a little bit yeah. eh about this it. one. Uh, this trailer appealed to me yeah, more for I, sure. I, I was, it was more about the story. Yeah, I was watching it and thinking of you, and like it, it's literally yeah. the opposite end of the spectrum yes. from the first trailer so it was more just of the like it's a an action drama versus it being like a more over the top cheesy editing sure. which I, I thought was good and they also announced a release date of november 17th so that's coming up yeah. soon I'm we'll excited have to, to start that. it while you're here oh yeah we can do that yeah yeah um oh <laughs> yeah. all right and finally in trailer news and this i didn't know this movie was happening but there is a New Mutants movie yeah. c- coming out from Fox, who obviously owns the X-Men f- large franchise. And they're making a New Mutants movie, which comes out in April, April 13th, day after my birthday. And it's like a horror movie. Yeah, it is. It's It looks... Re- I, I don't... It's hard for me to say if it looks good. Like, it looks like a horror movie. It looks like an American horror movie, which to me is not super appealing. But, like, the fact that it's X-Men and it's in this genre, or I should say it's in this um, cinematic genre of horror films, but with the superhero angle, it's a really cool thing that we haven't really seen before. So I'm excited for that aspect of it and really took me by surprise. I hope it performs Um, well because that would encourage them to experiment more with cross genre superhero stuff. Yeah. Similarly to how Deadpool has really revitalized the the desire for like an R rated, because right. you know Watchmen came out and it was this big budget R rated superhero movie that tanked because Zack Snyder's a fucking terrible director. Yes. But then they come and make Deadpool an R rated you know comedy action movie with a superhero and it was amazing and performed really well. So hopefully it encourages more of that. I'm totally with you. Like there are a lot of different comic book franchises that could transition really well to being a straight up horror movie. Yeah. Um, I do want to watch Death Note, which is on Netflix. It's based on the manga series, um, which is more of a horror vibe because of the the concept. But anyway, I thought it was a really cool trailer. I recommend checking that out. Maisie Williams, who plays Arya from Lord of the or Lord of the Rings from Game of Thrones, is in this. Um, I don't think she even has a single line in the trailer, so, so she might not be that her. big of a character. Yeah, I think it's more of like a hey, she has face recognition. This, so yeah, exactly. Um, but it does look cool. I recommend checking out the trailer. I was I was pretty pleasantly surprised when i saw that uh kyle you tell me about this next one because you're the one that found this this little this little gem of a story <laughs> so uh like several i mean it's probably like six or seven months ago they announced that they were in writing or in the works of making a detective pikachu film which is literally just pikachu with a sherlock holmes hat um and people had a really 
maybe one of my favorite things to come out of the internet was someone saying like, "Hey, wouldn't it be great if Danny DeVito voiced Pikachu in yeah. the Detective Pikachu?" I film? watched I watched the fake trailer yeah. for where that, they take where lines it's a bunch from... of Danny DeVito clips from It's Always yeah. Sunny. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's that's a really good cut of that. Um, so so let me let me ask you like, was Detective Pikachu a thing? Or was that invented so. specifically for this movie? I think it's totally made up. I think it, I, it might That's be a manga weird as somewhere. Shit. I don't know. I have zero idea. But it's yeah, some weird Pokemon spinoff thing because people love Pikachu. Um, now there's a rumor. It comes from some dude's YouTube channel. He doesn't credit his sources, so who the fuck knows? But there's a rumor that um, it's oh god, it's like Hugh Jackman and Dwayne the Rock Johnson, highest paid actor in Hollywood. Um, and let's see who else. Zach Galifianakis. Which is insane, by the way. You know who was the highest paid actor a couple of years ago? Tom Hanks. You know who was the highest paid actor after that? Will Smith. And now Dwayne The Rock Johnson, former WWE <laughs> wrestler, is the top paid actor in Hollywood. Tooth Fairy, man. That's where he made it big. <laughs> um, but So there's rumors that um, they're, they're considering creative talent for voice work and... Because, like, also, it's, like, a CG Pikachu in a real world. Um, yeah. Sort of, like, similar to, like, the Garfield movie and stuff like that. So, or, like, some Ted. Name, yeah, uh, yes. Seth MacFarlane. Yes. Uh, or it's, some names have been thrown around. Hugh Jackman, Dwayne Johnson, Zach Galifianakis, and Mark Wahlberg as people they're considering. Because they all in fit the in the movie. same type. Yeah, yeah they're, they're all, all the same type. Well, yeah. Well, no, just in terms of, like, people that would be in the movie. So, like, they're, no, they're, I know. they're looking to go real big. With this Detective Pikachu film in terms of the supporting I'm thinking, cast. I'm thinking they should all be in consideration for the voice of Detective Pikachu. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I can just imagine those kind of producer discussions of like, you know, I would love to have Dwayne Johnson in this movie. He's, he, you know, he, he doesn't always pick great stuff, but he's he's as about as bankable as you can get. But he's just so damn expensive nowadays. Like, who who's another – who's a Dwayne Johnson type that we can get? And, you know, <laughs> producer number two is like, oh, uh, what about Jason Momoa? You know, he's coming off of Justice League. He's coming off of Aquaman. You know, you can get him a lot cheaper. He's a similar type. Like, yeah, you know, it feels a little obvious. I'm like feeling who, more who Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> <laughs> Between two ferns, one of my favorite works. Uh, yeah yeah <laughs> so that that's that's weird as hell but yeah fun Just a like, fun, fun story if it's true even if it's not true it's yeah. still a fun thought to have i will i will say as an aside legendary pictures are the ones that own the rights to this they don't do a ton of great stuff no. so a little bit worried about that in the fact that it's <laughs> but yeah but also you but, know what uh, you're gonna get yeah, that's fair. You know they certainly take chances. Yeah, hey, they're behind true. the the Hellboy movies. That's yeah, that's true. Uh, so um, finally, before we jump into some bigger news, little thing: Ron Howard has announced the title for the Han Solo solo Star Wars movie, and it's called Solo. <laughs> Shocker, <laughs> Solo colon a Star Wars story. Sure. Yeah. Fair. Um, I mean, like, it. That fine. Yes. Yep. That, I mean, that makes sense. Yep. I'm not like, oh, it's such a cool name because it's it's obvious. I mean, it's not a bad name, certainly, but people um, will know what it a is. A little on it, like a little bit of like an underwhelming announcement because yeah. like he shot a little video and it was like, hey, and revealed it, and I was like, oh, cool. And then it's called Solo. Like, I don't know. It, it was a weird, a weird thing to like 
announce and yeah. make a big deal out of, but whatever. But I did want to use this as an excuse. I forgot like how this movie's gone through a little bit of a rough patch yeah. with writer leaving, a lot of stuff's changed, some people left for creative differences. I'm a little worried about it. But the cast of this movie's really fucking strong. And so I was doing a little bit of like just a research on the movie and see what other details we know for this podcast, and I came across something a little crazy. Pretty fun fan theory that I don't think is true, but it's fun. So, just to kind of give a high-level view. So, playing Han Solo is uh, Alden, Alden Eric Reich, I think, or Aaron Reich. I think that's how you pronounce his name. He was in Hail Caesar, Coen Brothers movie. That's right. He was really good in that. That's the only thing I've seen him in. I didn't really care for the movie, but I did like him in it. Anyway... Uh, of course, Donald Glover is playing young Lando Calrissian, and also in this movie, Amelia Clark, Daenerys from Game of Thrones, Woody Harrelson is in this movie. He plays a character named Beckett, who is Han Solo's mentor. Uh, Paul Bettany is in it. Thandie Newton is in it. Warwick Davis is in it because, of course, Warwick Davis is in right. it. But specifically, this theory is in relation to Amelia Clark's character, which. The name we know of the character right now is Kira or Kyra, K-I-R-A. Um, I don't think that's been totally confirmed, but that's what everybody's saying her character's name is. So here, let me put on my tinfoil hat for a second. Okay. Little known fact, before Force Awakens was shot, Ray, her original name was Kira. And this movie takes place during the original trilogy... Han Solo is the right age to be Rey's father. Not saying he is, but that would make Amelia Clark's character the right age to be Rey's mother. Her character's name is the name that Rey was originally going to be named. There's an easy connection you can make for uh, Alden Eric Reich. I can't say his name. I'm just going to call him Han. I'm sorry, dude. I can't pronounce your name. No offense to you at all. My name's Shay. I get mispronounced all the time han solo's character and amelia clark's character being lo- potential love interests is it possible that ray is the daughter of han but not of leia i hope not i do too but i did th- i did think it was a fun thing yeah i really really hope that isn't the case um, I hate how in Star Wars everyone's related to I know, everyone. It's such a I've always thought that was really lame. Uh, yeah, so I'm totally with you. I hope that's not the case, but I did think it was a fun little bit of trivia. It's more than likely just a coincidence where they liked that name, decided to change it for Ray's character, and wanted to use it for another character. Yeah, I'm be. sure that is the reasoning. But if that theory is right, I came up with it, and I should get all the credit. <laughs> Make the money off. Um, And so, thinking about Star Wars, and thinking about the upcoming video game releases, got me thinking about upcoming movie releases, and how there are a shit ton of movies coming out that I'm really freaking excited for. Because obviously, Black Panther's not coming out till next year, New Mutants isn't coming out till next year. But, not even just superhero stuff, later this month, October 27th, Suburbicon, starring Matt Damon... Directed by George Clooney, written by George Clooney and the Coen brothers. This movie looks very twisted and dark and amazing. If you haven't seen the trailer for Suburbicon, go watch it. I love Matt Damon to death. Then on November 3rd, we get Thor Ragnarok, which I think looks really rad. Yeah, it does. 
and I use the word rad for a reason. That movie looks yes. rad. <laughs> That's the only word you can use. And then on November 17th, the Justice League movie comes out. So that will, it'll, you know, it'll be a movie. And then on November 22nd, Murder on the Orient Express, directed by Kenneth Branagh, starring Kenneth Branagh, Johnny Depp, uh, Daisy Ridley, Josh Gad, Willem Dafoe. Hard-hitting movie. That movie looks freaking fantastic as well. Yes, it does. It's a remake of a really old classic. And Kenneth Branagh has the best accent and the best mustache I've ever seen on film in that movie. (laughs) So I'm very excited for it. And then, of course... On December fifteenth, we get Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Right. So, like, I, you know, you know, we we make fun of Justice League. I'm gonna go see it because I have to. Like, I'm not gonna not go see it. I'm gonna hate myself for it. I'm not gonna enjoy it. I don't imagine that I will. I hope I'm wrong. But that's six huge movies, at least for me, that I'm really, really, at least anticipating. <laughs> I should. I, I'm not really, really excited to see all of them because I'm not really excited to see Justice League. But there are five movies I'm really excited to see. And Justice League, which I will see. So that makes me feel a little bit better about stuff that's coming out. Because like I'm kind of down on the upcoming video games, but upcoming movies, I can dig it. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, there are still a bunch of other movies that have come out this year already and that will continue to come out that I do want to see as well. But those are the ones that kind of jumped out that, to me, are worth spending 20 bucks to go see with my wife on opening weekend. So... Two final large news stories, but these tie in directly to Hate of the Week. So let's go ahead and jump into that. Hate of the Week. So today's Hate of the Week is kind of, and this is very broad, but it's kind of just about the direction of the gaming industry as a whole. So... This comes out of two recent news stories, one of which is a huge bummer, the other of which is kind of sinister and scary. Yeah. So the first one is EA has shut down their Visceral studio. You probably know Visceral as the studio behind the Dead Space games. Two really good ones and one really bad one. Hey, Um, two really good horror games and one fun co-op adventure. Dead Space 3 was hot garbage. It was really fun for us to play together, yeah. which if you if you want, you can watch that series on Kyle's YouTube That's channel, true. The Drum Kid 92. It was really fun to play together, but that was a bad video game. <laughs> and the sec the second one wasn't even a great horror game, but it was a fun action-y horror yeah. game. Anyway, the the first game, Dead Space, and this for somebody that hates horror as much as I hate horror, I consider that to be one of my favorite games of all time. Like that is like a top 20 game of all time for me. That game is phenomenal. Um, but Visceral recently has been working with several other studios on a Star Wars game written by Amy Hennig, who was the writer of the Uncharted series before Uncharted 4. Uh, and this was going to be a single-player experience. I mean, the whole pitch of it was it's Uncharted but Star Wars. Influence, obviously, by um, Star Wars 1313 before that game was canceled. Uh, when LucasArts kind of shut down. Uh, I was incredibly hyped for that game. Me too. They showed some little tech demo stuff. It looked really cool. And it's now, I mean, essentially no longer exists. Their reasoning behind this is they wanted to change the direction of the game and renew EA's focus on creating the quote-unquote games as a service. 
meaning games that aren't a single $60 release, but things that are supported with post-game content, both paid and free, as well as, you know, microtransactions, multiplayer, multiplayer components, that kind of thing. Games as a service, meaning like, you know, they're not going to release Star Wars and then in two years, Star Wars 2 and then two years later, Star Wars 3. They would release Star Wars and that would continue to be a game until the sequel. There would be new content for it released regularly. I cannot blame them for the business strategy of this. Making video games is more expensive than it ever has been and yet the cost of video games has actually gone down since the original days where you would buy $80 NES cards. And that's not even factored for inflation, much less expanding teams, increased budgets, more risk involved in the industry in general because there's more competition. A lot of other business factors that make making video games very risky and very expensive. So I, I totally understand them finding other ways of making money, which you know started out with DLC, and now you know they had the season passes. EA for a while had those paid multiplayer components that you had to buy. I know Dead Space 2, I think, had that in it, which was fucking ridiculous to kind of cramped or um, closed down on used game sales, that kind of thing. And the biggest thing recently in the past several years has been microtransactions. So, you know, we talked about it earlier, but stuff like loot boxes. Uh, I think that this is a very bad trend for video games. Not even for me in the way that I play games, but just for the industry in general. Min- it's It feels very manipulative, and the randomization of it feels unfair. And it feels, you know, close to gambling, where you're spending money you don't know what you're going to get. As well as changing the way that games are designed. Because before, you know, you have a single-player experience for $60. They make the game, it is $60, they put it in your hands, it's done. That's the complete experience. Nowadays, that's not enough. They need to release DLC. They need you to buy microtransactions. So they're designing the game in a way to encourage you to buy more shit. So very rarely, it's not even just that you can buy Battlefield 1 and continue to play that and not buy the DLC. And you can continue to play those original Battlefield 1 maps and guns, etc. But with the microtransactions, you get additional add-ons and things that make you play better and level up faster where if you aren't spending real money on those other people are and therefore they have an advantage over you when you're playing thus you know the whole moniker of pay to win uh you know it's not free to play it's pay to win yeah i can play the game for free but i'm not going to be as good inherently as the people who are paying because they have more and better shit and that's not fair that's not a fun experience so that's some that's one thing in free-to-play games. But in this, where I'm already paying $60 for a game, now I need to pay more than $60 for a game to compete with other people? It's That's a very slippery slope that is very dangerous. And I think that the retort is, okay, well, you say making games is more risky and more expensive than it ever has been, but prices haven't gone up. So what's the solution? Raise the price of video games. Make them $80. Make them $90. I don't care. Just give me a complete package when I buy the game. Don't force me or, you know, hamper me if I'm not giving you extra money. That's my take. Where do you stand on this? I I agree. I like locking content behind 
Like it's, mm, I, all right. There are a couple, a couple different viewpoints on it, but personally, I would rather pay seventy or eighty dollars for a game and just have everything single purchased, everything's unlocked, complete experience. Now I yes. understand not everyone can you know justify the extra fifteen twenty bucks per game, so they are okay with the stripped down version. But I feel like that happens less and less. Like there are very few people who are just buying the $60 game and none of the DLC stuff and like walk away with it. Like, yeah, okay, cool. Whatever. I feel like there are not very many people that do that. Um, I feel like most people are already spending the 60 and then just still buying the DLC and season passes and stuff. Like I, I feel like it's, I don't know. Maybe there's some marketing strategy or some marketing data that, shows that if they charge $60 for a game and $30 for a season pass, they're more likely to get that $90 than if they just make the game $90. Maybe there's data that supports that. But for me personally, I would rather the convenience and simplicity of single purchase, single package. Like that Mm -hmm. makes the most sense to me as a consumer, and I would feel the best about that, um, conceptually speaking. I don't know if the data supports that. I I also I don't have a problem with DLC as long as it isn't something that feels like it was taken out of the original release yeah. to then be sold on later. Stuff like I know when Mass Effect 3 came out there was the 4 Ashes DLC which was day 1 DLC of this additional character this Prothean character that felt in, incredibly vital to getting the full Mass Effect 3 experience that you had to pay extra money right. for. Where, like, you really felt like you were missing out on something by not having it. That goes against DLC to me. DLC should be an additive experience, not something that is required to get what you want out of a game. And also, I feel like DLC is treated, or at least in my mind, is very different than than microtransactions. Because I look at DLC, you know, it can be weapon packs or whatever, but I'm thinking more of, like, additional content. So if it's a if it's a map pack, if it is a new storyline for Uncharted Four, whatever that kind of thing is also a complete experience that is sold separately. It's not piecemeal things that I have to keep getting. That's randomized. That I have a disadvantage for not having compared to someone that does have it. That's the shitty microtransaction method that I'm talking yeah. about. Um, on that same topic, second news story, recently came out that Activision had filed a patent for a way to matchmake to encourage people to purchase microtransactions. And that sounds a little weird, but the gist of it is, and I'm going to read uh, from the patent. For example, if the player purchased a particular weapon... The microtransaction engine may match that player in a gameplay session in which the particular weapon is highly effective, giving the player an impression that that particular weapon was a good purchase. This may encourage the player to make future purchases to achieve similar gameplay results. So in that specific um, case, you're not it's not punishing the person for not buying something. It's more like giving them an additional reward for having purchased it to make them feel good about purchasing it, purchasing it so they'll continue to purchase it. 
That's a little less sinister than what it might originally feel, and not that they couldn't use it with sinister means of yeah. like, hey, let's 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 match this team of people who haven't spent a dime against this team of people who have all spent a hundred bucks, and the hundred dollar people can completely stop them to make the people who haven't spent any money feel like they have to to keep right. up. That's certainly a way that they could go about this. It is worth clarifying that Activision has come out and said they are not using this system. It was purely a speculative patent, which is very common. Yeah. Like, if someone has an idea for something, they want to put a patent on it so someone else can't try to steal that idea. Kind of protects them from a future sense if they want to use it in some other way. Um, so it's not something of like boycott all Activision games because they're doing this and manipulating us, but they're clearly thinking about it. At Someone least. is <laughs> like, even if they're not doing it, it's going through their thought process. Yeah. So, but you know, like Activision that's a, is that's like scary. This, this insane, um, like force of nature in games development. So of course they have an inventive marketing team that's going to try to, you know, that their job is to squeeze every dollar out of us that they possibly can. So, yeah. naturally, some of this kind of insidious and invasive stuff is going to come about. And I'm just glad that patents are um, available for a public purview so that, like, sure, th- this is not going on behind closed doors. We know this yes. is potentially a thing that they could be doing, and they have released a public statement saying they are not. So, like, at, w- at least we can be grateful for the fact that this type of stuff is public so that we know yeah, about for sure. it um, and can be informed consumers and players. For me, like in addition to all the grievances I just aired as more of like a direction for the industry and how I feel like that it's, it's unhealthy and unfair to consumers, yeah. even just selfishly, like I don't want to play. I don't want everything to be multiplayer. Yeah. I don't want everything to have DLC and microtransactions. Like, I want a significant amount of my gaming experiences to be where I can sit down on my couch by myself and play something. And that was the biggest thing that bummed me out about this visceral shutdown, you know, in addition to a lot of talented people losing their jobs. But, like, selfishly, not only because it was a Star Wars game, but because it was a single-player narrative game. Those are the types of games that I want to play. Like, we have our multiplayer Star Wars games. We have those already in spades. We are getting more yes. of them as we speak. Yes. And, like, everything is already being influenced by this shared experience, this game-as-a-service kind of mentality where you get something like Anthem coming out from EA, which looks cool. For, you know, Bioware's making it. It looks cool. The tra- trailer we saw at, uh, at E3, like, the game looks interesting, but I don't want every game to be Destiny. Or a, tw- a twist on Destiny. Right. I want Uncharted experiences still. Like, I want Ratchet & Clank games. I want Witcher 3 games. And so, I'm very thankful for the studios that are sticking to that. Places like Bethesda and Naughty Dog. Like, those are the kinds of games that they thrive in and they work on. Even, like, Nintendo. You know, they, they make plenty of multiplayer games too. But they're never going to stop making Mario's and Zelda's. Right. That fulfill that need which is a little bit of hope but like the farther the industry at large and especially these huge publishers like ea activision ubisoft those are the three biggest publishers third-party publishers that there are and all three of them are taking this as their focus because that's where the fucking money is and so you know that's where they're gonna go and that is not where i want the industry to go yeah i mean selfishly i know there are a lot of people that enjoy those types of things but 
we've talked about this before, like it creates this homogenous feel to video games. And so much of the personality and the uniqueness is gone because everything is so heavily influenced by everything else. It's, it's, everything is just iterative. Nothing feels new or right. fresh. And as much as I love indie games, they don't scratch that AAA itch, that big budget itch. Inherently, they can't. And I want that itch to be scratched by single player experiences. So, sigh. Yep. That's where I am on this. Hate of the week. Indeed, hate of the week. Good segue, because I want to try something a little new. Um, and I, I, Getting a little bit more, what's the word? Introspective last episode about myself and kind of where I am in my life and how I look at things. I created this as like a fun outlet for this criticism, this like negativity that I have. And I want to put a fun spin on it, but it feels too negative. You know what I mean? Like obviously it's the Shea hits everything podcast, a product of shadeseverything.com. Yeah. I'm not, ta- I'm not changing that. I still want to do the today. I hate, I still want to do the hate of the week. Like that's fun because we talk about important topics. Like we just discussed and give real insight but we can also talk about bullshit stuff and complain about stupid movies. Like, I, I love that. But I feel like coming out of recording every day, or every day that we record, I feel a little, like, down. Because <laughs> it finishes on the hate of the week right. where I'm just like, ugh, this thing that pisses me off. And I feel, like, cathartic that I was able to get it out to the literally six people that listen. <laughs> hey, man, we had, like, <laughs> but the <it's>... <laughs> mid-20s downloads on the last episode. <laughs> But it's still, uh, I don't know, it still feels like down. So I want to try something a little new, and it's cheesy, and so we might iterate on this a little bit. But I want to end every podcast with a little bit of love. <laughs> so we're going to, we start every episode with Today I Hate, and we're going to end the episode with Today I Love. So today, I love watching the sunrise over the ocean with my wife. That's what I love. What about you, Kyle? What do you love today? Do I have to? <laughs> yes, you do, because it's my fucking name on the podcast. You do what I say. <laughs> it's the sh- Damn it! You made me be negative. <laughs> you ruined yes. the mood. <laughs> it's the Shay hates most things podcast. Um. So okay, <clears throat> let me get on my let's <clears throat> let's get ASMR in this. My name hmm. is Kyle. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. My uh, my name is Kyle. Today I love how dedicated my theater kids are because today. During school, they took, like, they have a really busy week. I know they have full class loads. They have a mentor period every day, which is after second period, before third period, where they can get homework done and, like, go to important group meetings and stuff. And today, most of my cast came into the theater and ran lines because they need to be off book next week. So they took time out of their really busy and packed school schedules today some of them were like just coming back from a field trip, so I know they have work they need mm-hmm. to be doing. Um, but they went into the theater and ran some lines, and obviously goofed around a lot, but ran lines, <laughs> and that made me feel good as a director. Yeah, and doesn't it feel good to say that out loud? Felt better experiencing it, but saying it's fine. Should they, fine, fine, yes. <laughs> But I mean, like, just ending on a note of positivity, because I'm like, you know, I, I, when I'm thinking about mine, I, it takes me back to the day that I left. Kelly and I woke up early. We sat out uh, on our little patio and like watched the sunrise over the ocean on the beach. Like, it was incredible. 
it was freezing cold outside, but it was it was like I'm not like I'm not a, I'm certainly not a sentimental person whatsoever. My wife will tell you that. But it was like one of those moments where I'm like I'm going to remember this for a really long time, if not forever, this moment right here. And like that I feel like that's something that's worth sharing even if it's to 20 people that download and maybe not even listen. Hey. <laughs> thanks for sharing. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so, yeah, we're we're going to we're going to try this out. We probably won't it probably won't be as cheesy in the future, maybe, maybe uh. not, I don't know. Maybe it's fun. But uh that is going to do it for today. So, thank you everybody for listening. Kyle, as always, thank you for joining you me. And uh, if you have any thoughts, opinions about what we talked about, any questions for us, you can send them to info at shayhateseverything.com or you can check out our Facebook page slash shayhateseverything and uh, leave a comment, shoot me a message there, and we will see you in the next episode. Peace out. Peace out.